0: Thank mm-hmm. you. CEO Money, I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. I have Danielle DiMartino Booth. She is the CEO of Q excuse me, Quill Intelligence on the show with me today. All right, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Now, you've been on our show before, but now you're in our new studios. Give our audience, our new audience, some background of where you come from, how you worked with Mr. Sure. Fisher, and I wanted to get into what your thoughts are on the economy, where it is, where you think it's going, and what are the potholes that we need to watch?
1: Uh, So I, uh, like Richard Fisher, Mm -hmm. uh, who was at the Dallas Fed for a decade, we both started on Wall Street. That's where we both started our careers. We were both MBAs in finance. Uh, After I moved, uh, relocated to Dallas, uh, he discovered my writing and asked me to come advise him at the Fed. I never thought that I would work inside of a gigantic bureaucracy like the Federal Reserve, uh, but I if I felt like I was answering my country's calling. So off I went where I ended up advising him for the better part of nine years throughout the financial crisis. So it was a very exciting time uh, to be there. After I left, I, I wrote a book about the Fed and what I felt were its failings. And that went to 22 worldwide on Amazon, and I've been... uh, Not this one, you mean. That one. Fed up. Okay. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, And ever since then, I've been writing a a newsletter. I give speeches worldwide, and, and people follow my markets, intelligence, and economic research. I'm a cult.
0: Yes, you are. All right. And I'm a big fan. Thank you. So I'm really excited that you're here. All right. How do you see the lay of the land? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that are happening, whether it's politics or economics, that you see that we need to know about and we need to be prepared for?
1: Well, I, I think what uh, most Americans need to realize about the economy right now is how very influenced it is uh, by politics. President Trump has been—he's—he's he's been very uh, critical of the Federal Reserve, and uh, and the Federal Reserve, on the other hand, has also been. Uh, fairly astonished at how violent uh, the stock market declined in the last quarter of of 2018, kind of the the Christmas Eve bloodbath, if you will. And the about-face that the Fed did after that has effectively bought this economic expansion more time. The economy was sliding into, into a recession. Most of the executives around the nation were anticipating that we would be in recession by 2019. And we've effectively pushed that out by a year's time, but we still definitely see signs that the economy is beginning to slow in some of our most cyclical industries. Um, Housing, I think housing might get a little bit of a boost uh, because mortgage rates have come down, but we're seeing definite weakening in the manufacturing sector, especially in in the automobile and auto parts sectors.
0: Tell me about the pullback in the housing do you see that as a continuing process because I've had some people say hey we've we've topped we've got maybe 15 20 years of a declining market in that area do you see that same scenario uh, I
1: I think that it's going to be dependent upon the markets but that being said Mm. that being said demographics is going to play a bigger role in the housing market than it's ever played in any of our memories Uh, when when we went into the financial crisis in 07 08 the baby boomers were able to sit back and say you know what i'm going to stay in the workforce for 10 more years and i'm going to stay in my home for 10 more years so there was effectively this mass delay by what was then the largest generation in america they delayed selling their homes and so the supply never came onto the market in this next recession, baby boomers will be forced to sell to try and tap into that source of home equity, and they're going to be met by millennials who, in many ways, cannot afford to buy their homes. So it's this disconnect, this demographic disconnect, that I think is going to weigh on housing for a very long time.
0: Okay, so you're in agreement with some of the people I talked to. I get I, it. Yes. What about the manufacturing? You brought that up. I want to hear your thoughts about that because there are certain sectors of manufacturing that may not fall into the pit.
1: Uh, there are uh, the problem with manufacturing in general is that is that the Trump administration has been playing a game of chicken with with China, and that this trade war rhetoric got to be so loud that by the end of the year we had companies that were panic buying. They were trying to build up their stockpiles ahead of what they thought was going to be the implement the implementation of higher tariffs. That didn't happen. So now we're seeing the unwind of that and it is very dramatic i mean we're seeing we're seeing big rig prices crash we're seeing transportation stocks come down we're 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 seeing companies like alcoa uh disappoint as well when, when when they're uh earning and again the automobile sector sector which has been so crucial all of these things are unwinding what we call an artificial supply build and it's i'd I'd be interested to see which sectors of manufacturing can come out on top of this, given how broad-based the expansion was in mm-hmm. manufacturing again to get in front of tariffs that never were
0: right. Um, do you see that as a a strong bargaining chip that what's going on right now because he'll bring it out and pull it back, ran out, and pull it back he,
1: he does. And I think investors are becoming somewhat immune. Uh, to all of the trade war and and, and you know, banging the drum, because it's been drawn out for, it, it, every time there's an announcement, it seems like we've bought 30 more days of time. Mm. So at some point we become immune. What's much more important, I think, to investors though, is the near $800 billion in stimulus the Chinese uh, uh, authorities pumped into their economy in the first three months of 2019, and the fact that we're seeing the fruits of that forced stimulus begin to play out in a rebound in Chinese economic data, which is giving hope that there's going to be a similar rebound here in our economic data.
0: You don't think that's a dead cat balance over there in China?
1: Well, the problem with what the Chinese have done is that they're gonna have to keep doing it. Yeah. So it's it's almost like your textbook Ponzi scheme. You know, the, the, the effects of, of rising stimulus can continue to bear fruit as long as there's more stimulus on top of the stimulus. Right. And their debt to GDP is already at 300%. So they're, they're, they're playing a very dangerous game right now, but the world buys into it because everybody wants for the stock market to go up, and we all enjoy that, and you have to have the liquidity in order to support that.
0: What about taxation, the rules that have changed? I've talked to some enrolled agents Mm -hmm. about this, and they're under the impression, of course, they're fundamentalists. I'm really a technician, but they're under the impression that because of the changing of these tax rules, that we've got a long takeoff period where we could actually have continued prosperity because of the fundamental changes made in the tax code. How do you see that?
1: You know, it's interesting you bring that up, because in the most recent University of M- Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report, um, they asked a very granular question from the time the tax bill passed through um, through March, mm-hmm. and the mentions of the benefits of the tax cut have literally disappeared. They've disappeared, and, that's, and you're talking about corporate America mm-hmm. and how it has benefited from the tax cuts. Well,
0: middle class seems to have benefited too, but go ahead, please.
1: They have, but by the same token, unfortunately, so many Americans, H&R Block uh, conducted a survey, and 80% of, of Americans who they surveyed said that they had not changed the withholding to, to, to adjust for the changes in the withholding tables. So a lot of working class Americans who depend on that tax refund mm-hmm. didn't get it and were budgeting for it. Right Right or wrong? Don't get me wrong. Their paychecks still increased in 2018. It's not that they didn't feel the benefit of the tax cut. It's that they just thought they were having a a, a, a bigger income level and had not anticipated that they also wouldn't get the refunds. And we know that they're down 4% year over year. We know that over a million Americans who got refunds last year didn't get them. And we know that our economy keys off of consumption. Two-thirds of the U.S. economy is consumption what's going to happen if we don't get a bounce back in retail sales if we don't get a bounce back in auto sales are we going to see continued production cuts their um, auto production was down 13 percent in the first quarter if that continues there are going to be some more manufacturing jobs that are very high paying that get lost
0: in in some people's minds it's a zero-sum game so if it's losing here it's got to be winning somewhere else do you see any pockets of prosperity that people should think about um, for their portfolios going forward
1: well I I think that that people really do I'm gonna go back to demographics for a moment Mm -hmm. because one of the most underserved cohorts is seniors who are going to truly be downsizing they're gonna finally be getting out of those McMansions they they don't want to have the maintenance of a home in their budget anymore they'll truly be living off fixed income and they don't have enough housing so I speak to real estate developers all the time, and they see this as being a tremendous opportunity, huge profits to be made in this massive wave of 70 million plus Americans who are many of whom are going to want to downsize. Mm-hmm. And there's there there are opportunities. I, I look at the biggest opportunities as being underneath these Class B and Class C malls that are dying. They're typically in great areas of metro. Uh, of, of, of metros where I think not just millennials, but I think also seniors are going to want to be. They're going to, going to want to be close to, to the, the the hospital. They're going to going to want to be close to health net, uh, healthcare systems. So, right. I think that that is a great way to play, what's to come demographically in this country.
0: Talk to me about the natural resource industry because there that is the lifeblood. So goes copper. So goes the economy. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what your thoughts are on basics like that.
1: So, you know, in in the industrial metal, metals complex, because we're seeing exports pick up in China, because we're seeing manufacturing pick up in China. Copper is one example. I think China consumes a third of all the world's copper. I mean, these these figures are so hard to wrap your head around in terms of what a large consumer they are. And we're seeing major bounce backs inside of these industrial metals that imply that we are going to have this resurgence in growth globally driven by the Chinese export machine.
0: So again, I'm getting the feeling it's a smooth, smooth run forward with a couple of bumps. I'm not getting a d- disaster feeling from I you. I
1: wouldn't say disaster, but again, if success depends upon never stopping the printing presses, what does that tell you about underlying fundamental strength in the global Economy.
0: Oh, so then, then, then we bring in all of the disruptive currencies that we're talking about, oh, where gosh, everybody's I mean, trying to get away Turkey's from. Turkey's
1: melting, Argentina's melting. Right. There, there's so much dependence on dollar-denominated debt, mm-hmm. uh, especially among corporations. So there are a lot of countries that cannot afford. It, 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 this sounds perverse, but there are a lot of countries that cannot afford for the United States to strengthen that much, because then the dollar will get too strong. And all of this debt that that is held in dollar denominations is going to be impossible to refinance.
0: So Rothschild's buy will will the blood is in the street is really gonna come to pass here in some of these countries. Let me change course for a second. You are a a, a noted expert on the Fed, Mm -hmm. right? That means that you've got real good feelings, let alone analytical background on where you think interest rates, and what the policy might look like going forward. That has a big, big influence on what happens on everything else. What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, the the, the bond market has begun to price in rate cuts going out into next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, the administration has been very vocal in calling for rate cuts. Uh, where it gets a little dicey is we are headed into an election year. Mm-hmm. So I think that the uh, Federal Reserve officials will be remiss about appearing to try and sway the direction of the election one way or another.
0: Mm, And that actually
1: tells me that they might be compelled, and you're starting to hear this from some of the officials, to do an insurance rate cut ahead of a material slowdown in U.S. growth in order to start to get out in front of the political optics of it. Because if there's one thing that Jay Powell is not, it's political. But I would say that the direction interest rates are headed, according to market pricing, which the Fed has never defied, is down.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for being a guest on today's show.
1: Delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Mine too. You've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.